Welcome to the Nourish Soul podcast, where we talk about all things nourishing to the body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Ritter. Welcome to a new episode, friends. This episode is sponsored by Harmony 783, which is where I get my earthing shoes. And I just got a new pair of earthing shoes. I use their earthing flip-flops, which were not expensive. And I've had them, they're really dirty and downstairs by the by the door because I use them all the time to walk the dog. It's a great time to get some earthing, the grounding earthing, the benefits of that. If you know me at all, you know I teach that class. And so that's really important to your health. And these super cute shoes just came in. So if you are interested, I will link in the show notes how you can find Harmony 783. And you can use the code Kelly with an I, K-E-L-L-I-1. So Kelly1 will get you 10% off. And I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. In this episode, I want to talk about human behavior I'm going to go back to my roots in Adlerian psychology when I first started learning about counseling and I was entering into the counseling profession. What resonated the most with with me was more of a humanistic view of human potential. And the reason that I went into counseling versus staying in psychology is I was mostly interested in more of an education model than a medical model. I was interested in wellness and guidance and human potential. So when I I started on that journey, I was really attracted to Jungian psychology, Carl Jung's work, but I didn't find that very practical when I started actually working with people. And at the time I was working with children and families, and I just wanted something that was more, I don't know, practical, useful, common sense. And what I loved was Adlerian psychology. So Alfred Adler, and it's actually individual psychology, it's often called individual psychology, which is often misunderstood because individual psychology is really more about, we are not, you have to look at people holistically. You can't pick them apart. (laughs) They have to be viewed from this kind of holistic perspective. So anyway, Adlerian psychology was very helpful in looking at human behavior from a really practical standpoint. And I received a text from a friend this week that was asking me if I could help somebody understand human behavior, wanting to understand other people. So this particular person didn't really necessarily feel like they needed to understand their own behavior because they have a rhythm of life that is really working for them but still this curiosity of why people behave in the ways that they do. And I thought, that's interesting. You know, it's so nuanced. Human behavior is nuanced. You have to look at it in context. And you really have to look at, we're social creatures. So understanding us, you have to look within a social context, right? (laughs) But what can be helpful is to think about it in terms of Adlerian psychology, which says that all behavior is purposeful. 
So you may not even understand the motives behind some of your behaviors. They're unconscious and other people's behaviors. You, you know, you're like, okay, well that that's purposeful, but I don't understand the purpose of it. Right. <laughs> you don't have to understand the purpose of it. And then, and other people may look at some of your behaviors and not understand the purposes behind your behavior. But it can be helpful if you just look at it from a really basic standpoint that generally people, the purposes behind the behavior, they can be doing things that are very helpful in the world and they have found their place of belonging by being helpful and productive and, and using more positive behaviors as opposed to what we would call misguided so somebody who's actually trying to achieve attention or power, but they actually need their place in the world and a sense of belonging, but they're just not figuring that out in really helpful and productive ways. It's more dysfunctional ways. So behavior is generally, there are these four categories that Adlerian psychology would break down human behavior and that the purpose is either attention power, revenge, or what was originally called display of inadequacy or withdrawal is another term that's often used for that kind of display of inadequacy. What This is all being translated from German, by the way. So sometimes the translations are not, you know, you have to get some explanation. It too needs some context. So when a human being is striving for attention. Like that is really the purpose behind the behaviors. They want to be seen and heard and validated and have a sense of belonging and feel that you could just basically draw that down to or boil that down to attention. So if they are finding positive ways of getting attention and that feels good, they will keep moving in that direction. If they do not feel like they're getting attention in positive ways where they're feeling seen and heard and validated, they may move to power. Now, we all like attention and power. <laughs> and I think, you know, most people say, well, yeah, but that's an ego thing. What if you strip away the ego? Do you still need attention and power? No, but you could still look at it in the same sort of context of, finding your your place in the world, finding that sense of belonging that I do believe we are all looking for that kind of connection, that kind of sense of belonging, that kind of place, our place in this world. And so when somebody is not finding that by getting positive attention and they don't feel like they have any kind of control or power over themselves or in the world, then they will move often to a place of revenge where they really are trying to get back at people and back at, at the world, right? And when they are so discouraged, like they just can't find the positive attention, they don't feel powerful in the world, that personal power, they are struggling even with revenge, then people will just give up. And that's what we call withdrawal or display of inadequacy. Sometimes people look at that as depression or a collapse, but that's where you just, even everyone around them sort of gives up on them 
and they give up on themselves. Now the way back up, so that that kind of spiraling of like trying to to find your place and feel like you're seen and heard and that personal power and then not really getting it. So you might start being mean to people in kind of a revenge way. And then it just give up. That can happen in an instant. You can see that kind of spiraling down. Sometimes we see that in children very quickly when they're not getting attention for positive and positive ways. And they're really just trying to feel powerful in the world. And they don't feel like they have any choices and it's just not working for them. Then they'll move to like, I hate you. They'll yell something out like that. That's a revenge statement. And then they just kind of fly that. And if none of that works, then they'll just flop into just withdrawal or move away from, from everything from not necessarily from contact with people, but it's, you can just see the flop, the give up in people and the way back up, <laughs> whether it's in a moment or over a lifetime, what I have seen is that a encouragement, small wins, little acknowledgements of tiny successes, big su successes are, are great too, but the way to feel your place, your right place in the world is to, to get these small wins where you feel some agency, some personal power. And our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors all contribute to that. It's not just behaviors, but thoughts and feelings have their place in all of that too. So that's what I learned from my training back in the day about human behavior and how to help people by noticing them when they're doing something that's helpful or kind or useful in the world to be able to, to just to notice that in an encouraging way, not in a praise like, good job, you're so awesome, you're amazing, That not so much in that way, but in a genuine, not that that wouldn't necessarily be genuine or authentic, but a more specific way of, you know, when you helped your brother out the other day, I noticed that and that was really helpful to the whole family. He was having a hard time and you were nice to him and you helped out. And I just want to acknowledge that. And you could say, and I appreciate that or, or something, but I try to stay away from, you know, the praise part of it and just noticing it. And so that people feel, they want to feel seen, they want to feel heard, they want to feel validated. So sometimes we have to do that for ourselves because that's not necessarily happening around us. I think about this a lot with kids and families, right? This was really practical information that I helped families understand how to work with children, give kids choices, give them agency, help them feel like they have the place of, in the family and first and then out in the world. Notice where they're doing something that's helpful. Notice when they have effort in something. You know, they may not win the game or whatever, but you can say, hey, you showed up, you listened to your coach, you were helpful to your team. I mean, something, something, right? But to be more specific and to be genuine with that kind of encouragement is what we call that, right? So that can happen in families, that can happen with our kids. And as adults, 
you know, to just be really reflective. A lot of people don't want to be that reflective about their thoughts, their feelings, and their behaviors. But I have found that that is really helpful in living an authentic life is staying curious about your feelings in particular, but also noticing the thoughts, noticing your behaviors. Is this helping you have a sense of belonging and personal power in the world? Or is it draining you? Is it leading to relationships and commitments that are just not serving you, not serving the world, draining you? And then looking for small ways, sometimes those small ways are the way to to make bigger impact. I think about this now from a quantum perspective, right? And how when we're really depleted, I, I just think of that display of inadequacy and that withdrawal and just feeling so alien in this world. And yes, human connection and encouragement is the way back in, but also how drained we all are, physically drained, because we are not actually docking our body in a recharging zone. You know, we're not recharging our electric body. We're not realizing that our thoughts and our feelings have frequency. They are, we are electric beings first. So in thinking about finding our right place in the world, that often has to do with our connection to nature and being in harmony with our natural environment. And I just look at how many situations people are in, and and I look at families, mine included, and the ways that we're so disconnected from nature and disconnected from, from our true place in the world. And so that's why I talk a lot about the quantum health you know, strategies, because that is one of the, the fastest ways that I've seen to help people turn their lives around, to transform their lives, and to actually have the energy, the voltage to be able to meet life on life's terms, to do the deeper work, the emotional work, the, the work on being curious about our thoughts and our feelings and our own healing. Yeah, to be able to have the energy to even do that work. I think, you know, you can think about human behavior, but if we're not talking about this quantum piece of it, this low voltage part, then I think we're missing a part of the conversation. Because if all behavior is purposeful, then just looking for for attention and power, we're actually probably also looking to be energized and we're not energized by so much of, of the way we live. Years and years and years ago, there was a book, I read a book called Last Child in the Woods. And this was a book about nature deficit disorder was, was the call to action was to get our kids back connected in nature. And the reason I thought it was really interesting and profound is because at the time I was working with children on the spectrum who had been diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And I was working in a school and I was creating the counseling team in the school for children with special needs. And one of the things I noticed in working with the kids is that the children who spent more time in nature, 
who had grown up in nature had less anxiety, they had less of that perseverating, and they had a more positive outlook. And I also, at the time, we had sand trays, and I ran groups with with like about eight kids per group, and they had what's called sand play or sand trays, where you literally have a tray of sand, and you have all of these miniatures. We have tubs or a big cabinet with all of these miniature figurines and things, and then the person, it doesn't have to necessarily be children, adults can do this too, but you build a world in the sand tray. And then it was this group process. It was, it's a really cool projective technique. It's fantastic. I'm an Adlerian, so I do a little more directive. So I do it in kind of this, this way of you build the world and it helps just have this visual of what's going on inside of you but having this projective, you know, technique that you get to see your world from a different view. And then there's a processing part of it. It's a really cool experience. And what I noticed is that children who spent a lot of time in nature, there was, there was a uh, one child that had moved from California. This was in Georgia. So he'd moved from California and he was just really into the ocean. He missed being around the ocean. He loved sea animals and his world would always be very peaceful, often a sea, kind of like um, inside of the sea with a lot of the sea animals. And a lot of the children who spent time in nature, their their sand trays would be very calm. And the kids who did not spend a lot of time in nature, the children who were on electronics, a lot of the time really attracted to the video games, of course, most of the kids. But they had more chaotic sand trays and it would be often war scenes, very gory, bloody, of violence in the sand trays. Now you might be going, wow, that's really awful that it's not necessarily awful or good, right? It's just sometimes, sometimes kids are very, well, people in general can be very literal. So it could be a book that they were reading and they are doing, and they're reading a book about war and they you know, or building a war scene in, in the sand tray. So it doesn't necessarily mean pathology or anything like that. But what I did notice is that the calmer a child was able to, to be on a regular basis had a lot to do with how much time they spent in nature. So I carry that with me today and I no longer, you know, work in that setting or with children, but I'm working with adults that are, anxious and highly stressed. So chronic stress and anxiety, and they're really trying to transform their lives. Most of them have done a lot of things to try and make that happen. The things that we're all told to do, right? You know, eat better, get more rest, which they really try to do, exercise, those kinds of of things, sometimes meditate or whatever. Most of them will say, I'm not good at meditating. You don't have to be good at meditating one conscious breath in and out is a meditation. So you don't have to sit for hours in meditation, but they're doing all of those things. And the piece that's often missing are these fundamental harmony with your natural environment, being in nature, literally earthing, grounding your body, docking your body on the earth's surface to recharge it. And that people, we just don't even think about that. We don't think about being calmer across the board 
by spending more time grounded, literally grounded, not the um, being present in the moment, more of a mindfulness, but actually literally being grounded is, is really helpful for people's chronic stress and anxiety. So I just am bringing it all the way back around here to the quantum, the quantum realm that, you know, human behavior is really interesting and it's nuanced and we are all trying to find our place in the world. And I believe that we're here to be of service. And the only way that you are going to be of service in the world to the people you love and, and to the things that are important to you is if you work on your voltage, you actually have the energy and the clarity and the vitality to do those things. So I would love to help anybody who is interested in learning more about that, head over to my website. We've got lots of things going on. And I'm hoping that these episodes are going to be helpful on your journey, that you're starting to put the pieces together for your own life and your own transformation. So thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you would like more content, you could head over to my YouTube channel, Dr. Kelly Ritter, and there's lots of free content, lots of free videos there. There's also free information on my website if you haven't checked that out at nourish-soul.com. And if you're ready to take your health to the next level, I would love to have you in one of my classes or I'd be happy to work with you one-on-one -on -one in consultation. You can find all that information on the website as well.